13 on page 965 in your pew Bible, Christ's teaching on the broad and narrow gate and the broad and narrow way, Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Here toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Read that in connection with Jeremiah chapter 6, as the elders make home visits this year, this passage, and in particular, verse 16, will be our focus, a passage that calls us to that same good path that leads to life, that same path of which Christ spoke. In Matthew 7, we read from Jeremiah 6, beginning at verse 16 through verse 21. The prophet says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I set watchmen over you, saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. Therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices, because they have not paid attention to my words. As for my law, they have rejected it. What used to me is frankincense that comes from Sheba or sweet cane, From a distant land, your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices pleasing to me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will lay before this people stumbling blocks against which they shall stumble. Fathers and sons together, neighbor and friend shall perish. As far the reading of God's word, may he add his blessing to it. Boys and girls, as the prophet Jeremiah here speaks, he gives us a sort of word picture where he wants you to imagine that you're walking down a road where the path that you're on comes to a point where there are several different ways or paths that come off of it. Perhaps your path can continue straight or maybe you can turn to the right or to the left. There are many different ways that you can go. And you need to know which way is the right way. Perhaps some of you have read The Pilgrim's Progress where a Christian has a certain path that he's supposed to follow, but but sometimes that path crosses with with another and and he needs to know which way is the right way. That's the same situation that Israel is here in. As uh, Jeremiah the prophet speaks to them of a good way that they need to walk in as they stand by the road and look for the ancient paths. There are multiple ways to go. They need to find the good path. They need to find the right path. How do they find it? That's the first question that Jeremiah deals with here before telling us where that path leads and what is the cost of not taking it. 
We consider this morning the good way, first of all, how to find it and where it leads, then the cost of avoiding it. Uh, First, how to find it. I want you to notice the four imperatives that we see in verse 16, four commands that are given by the prophet where he tells them and he, he tells us, first of all, to stand by the road and look. What does he mean by that? What the prophet means is that walking on the right path requires thoughtfulness, requires consideration, not just walking haplessly and aimlessly, never considering the way that you're going, but stopping and thinking. That, that word for uh, stand could, could be stop, and that word for, for look could be translated consider. He's saying, I want you to stop and give some thoughtful consideration to the way that you're going. In Israel's case, or or Judah, they they were worshiping other gods. They had forsaken their bridegroom, the fount of living waters. And Jeremiah 2 says they had hewn for themselves broken cisterns that held no water. Empty idols that could not satisfy and could not save them when disaster came. That's been the main point of the first five and a half chapters, the futility of their idolatry. And not only the emptiness and futility of their idolatry, but then the dire consequences of it. That's what the prophet has been preaching. And maybe you just this afternoon go and, and read those first few chapters. They're sobering. And now he's saying that they need to, to stop for a moment and consider the way that they were living and where that leads. Jeremiah the prophet is calling them and calling us not to just go through the motions, following after the masses, but to stop and think, to consider where we're going, whether that be as individuals or as a church or as a society, to stop and consider the way that we're going. J.C. Ryle said, want of thought Want of of, of consideration is, in truth, the simple cause why many make shipwreck forever. It says, there are few, I suspect, who deliberately and calmly choose evil, refuse good, turn their backs on God, and refuse to serve sin as sin. The most part are what they are because they began their present course without thought. They didn't stop and think. And Ryle, writing in the late 1800s, he called this advice for the times. Where hurry, he said, is the characteristic of the age in which we live and men have little time for meditation, for thinking, but are always in a rush going from one thing to another. He wrote that in 1882. This is, is the case, and we, we're, we're always in such a rush. We are not feeding our souls. We are not praying. We're not thinking, but are always in a hurry, just, just going through the motions. We're going to end up off course. The first step in walking in the right way is to stop and think. Isn't that what the psalmist says in Psalm 1? That the blessed man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners but goes in the way of the righteous is the one who meditates day and night on the word of God. There's a connection between thoughtful consideration or or meditation and walking in the right path. 
the more hurried and distracted you are, the more likely you are to end up going in the way of sinners. That's what we see here. That's what we see at the very entryway into the Psalter. And many of us have seen it firsthand, people that we know and love who give little thought to the state of their soul, little time for for personal reflection or, or prayer. And though they never make a conscious decision to walk away from the church or deny their Lord, give it enough time, and they're on a completely different path. You need to heed the prophet's warning to stop and look, to pause and to ponder, to resolve, as Ryle says, if you love life, to have regular seasons of examining yourself and looking over the account of your soul, to stand and see where you're going and how matters stand between you and God, to commune at least once a week, Ryle says, with your own heart and be still, unhurried. Mentioned a few times recently a class that I took on the Scottish Reformation. One of the things that was so striking was um, how many of these men kept journals or, or diaries, places where they would bear their soul on paper and do just that. They would stop and consider. They would commune with their own heart and be still. But now we don't do that so much. We we scroll, we binge watch Netflix, or we tweet and watch TikTok. We give very little thought or very very little time to thoughtful meditation because we're never unplugged, always on our phones, always doing something, always listening to something. The first thing you do when you you wake up in the morning or the, the last thing that you do when you lie down at night, like many of our Reformed forefathers who gave ample time to writing and reflecting and thinking and praying would, would say that, that all the time we spend on our phones and on Facebook and, and Twitter and Netflix or watching the news, while, while these things may not be wrong in themselves, if they are keeping us from ever communing with our own heart to, to just be still, then they're a problem. And perhaps they need to be cut off so we can prioritize what Jeremiah here calls us to, to stop and think, to stand by the roads and look. That's the first thing that the prophet here calls us to. But notice he doesn't just call us to stop and, and, and be unhurried or, or and thoughtful as if that's an end in itself. He's not just calling us here to some vague meditation. But as he calls us here to to stop and think, he then calls us to look back and and see where the faithful who've gone before us have traveled. The ancient past that that Abraham and Moses and and David, the faithful of old, have always walked. He calls us to consider God's people throughout redemptive history and God's people throughout church history and ask ourselves the question, what is the way in which the faithful have always walked? This is not simply a call to tradition for the sake of tradition. This isn't saying what's oldest is always best. This isn't a proof text for being old-fashioned, but is a command to not forget the fundamental truths of our faith. Remember, the people to whom he's writing are, are worshiping idols. Jeremiah 2.11, they have changed their gods even though they are no gods. Chapter 3, he says, they have played the whore and sat by the wayside waiting for other lovers with whom they might pollute the land with their vile whoredom. That's what they're used to doing. 
standing by the roads and and looking, not for the ancient paths, but for other gods with whom they might prostitute themselves in worship. They have forsaken the ancient past by, by wandering off into the part of town where the harlots hang out and have been ravished. That's the language of chapters two and three. They've committed spiritual adultery and forsaken the ancient past that lead to their heavenly bridegroom and instead have worshipped other gods. They've committed idolatry, all the while still going through the motions, chapter 4, verse 4, with their circumcised flesh but uncircumcised hearts. They're bringing of offerings, chapter 6, verse 20, all the while not paying attention to God's word. And so he's calling them back to the path of biblical faithfulness. He's calling them back to the gospel that was signified in those sacrifices. The way Ryle put it, he said, the old paths meant the paths of faith in which their fathers had walked for 1,300 years, in which the rule of life was the Decalogue, Ten Commandments, and the rule of worship was that elaborate, typical sacrificial system of which the essence was faith in the coming Redeemer. He's calling them back to faith in the gospel, to Christ, who, as we we sang a moment ago from John 14, is the way. The good way is faith in the Messiah, a faith accompanied by repentance, by walking according to God's word. This is not just about getting back to the good old days. It's about getting back to the heart of the gospel which they have forsaken with their idolatry, and we're tempted to as well. Them with their worshiping false gods, the church of the 21st century with its, its worship of self, its worship of pleasure, its worship of every new idea as if what's newer is always truer and only what's recent is decent, as J.I. Packer said. We too can forsake the fount of living waters for broken cisterns that hold no water. That is to say, things that we think are going to bring us satisfaction, but even as we we drink out of them, the water is seeping out the cracks in the bottom and they cannot satisfy. Broken cisterns of all the false ideologies that we unwittingly imbibe from the world around us. This is why it's so crucial that we stop And think and look for the ancient paths, the way that the church before us has gone, the the well-worn, time-tested, tried-and-true path of biblical faithfulness that centers on Christ as revealed in his word. same path the apostles walked in, even the, the faithful before them who looked forward to that Messiah. same path that the church fathers Reformers and Puritans, our Dutch forefathers down to the present day as as summarized in our creeds and confessions, walk in that path. The way that is revealed in the history of God's people, verse 16, those ancient paths. It is proclaimed by preachers and prophets, the watchmen of verse 17, who sound the trumpet. That is revealed in God's word, verse 19, the law that he gave them. 
the way in which we must walk is revealed in the word. We're reminded of it by God's watchmen, his preachers, and we see it as we look back to the history of the faithful and see the ancient, well-worn paths in which they've walked. The way to this good path is through the word, through going to the place where it's faithfully preached, and through seeing how others who've gone before us have walked in it. It is one of the reasons why Christian biography and church history are so helpful. It's one of the reasons why it's so good to learn the stories of the Old Testament, why it's good to be reminded of the ancient creeds and confessions of the church. All of these are means by which we're reminded of the ancient paths and encouraged to walk in them. That's one of the reasons why it's good and helpful and healthy to be a confessional church where we have creeds and confessions that, that tether us to the church that has gone before us. And that we regularly hear those creeds and confessions, recite them, confess them, uh, hear them, the teaching of God's word. Being not just hearers of the word, though, who, who go to church and learn theology simply for the sake of having our, our heads filled, but having asked where the good way is, to then walk in it. And when we do this, God gives us a promise, which we see towards the end of verse 16, where he says, when you find this good way and you walk in it, you will find rest for your souls. And actually, when it it calls this ancient path the good way, that that doesn't so much refer to the character of the way. We know from Christ's teaching in Matthew 7 that this way is actually quite difficult. Boys and girls, you think of the many trials that Christian faces as he makes his way to that celestial city or or the many trials that our our, uh, fathers before us have endured many trials that, that the psalmist endures as he seeks to walk in that narrow way that begins in Psalm 1, and yet throughout the Psalter is a way that causes him to cry out in lament. It's not an easy path, but Jeremiah is saying its end is very good. It is the path that leads to covenant blessing from God and that rest of which the prophet speaks of which not only Jeremiah, but also Isaiah spoke in Isaiah 28, when he said that God gave rest to his people in the promised land. The rest of which the prophets speak is the the same thing that we sang of in Psalm 95, where God offers rest to his people in the land of rest. And so here in Jeremiah, when God says, I will give you rest if you walk in these ancient paths that are good, he's saying, this is the way to covenant blessing. This is the way to not be exiled from the land like the northern kingdom and like I've just said you're going to be if you continue on the way that you're on. The way to enjoy this promised rest in the promised land is to stop and consider where you're going, ask for the ancient paths, and walk in them. The ancient paths that are the fundamental truths of the biblical faith centered on the Messiah. Looking to God's promise in him and him alone to satisfy not the broken cisterns of these false gods and false ideologies that hold no water, but the heavenly bridegroom from whom streams of living water flow. That's what God is calling them back to. He's he's calling them to Christ. The object of the faith of God's people, not just in the New Testament, but from ancient days, Christ is the way. 
And he signals that for us in Matthew chapter 11, which we heard in our call to worship, where Jesus actually quotes from this passage in Jeremiah and says, all who come to him, that is all who who walk in his way, will find rest for their souls. Do you you hear that echo of Jeremiah 6? Does it sound like Christ is claiming that his path is that same ancient path of which the prophet spoke? It's interesting, he claims in John chapter 14 to be the way. He claims in Matthew 11 to be the one who gives rest to our souls. Ultimately, that to which which Christ was calling his people in Matthew chapter 11 to come to him is the same thing that Jeremiah here says in our passage. To walk in the good way is to come to Christ and to walk in him. Colossians 2 verses 6 and 7. As you received Christ, so walk in him. And the promise is that if and when we do that by faith and repentance, we will find blessing. We'll find rest, which is not found when you're chasing after other lovers as Israel was, always looking for something new, always seeking satisfaction in someone or or something, those things that ultimately give no satisfaction, but the only way to the rest of which the prophet speaks is in coming to Christ. The same Christ who he so often prophesies throughout the rest of this book, rest is only found in him. Young people, that the world around you offers you rest and, and satisfaction and joy and blessing in so many other things. Being true to yourself and, and listening to your heart and chasing after success and pleasure and worldly gain and worldly wisdom. But Christ says there is only one way to find true rest. There is only one way to find true blessing, and that's in coming to him and walking in him. And stopping to think about those who have gone before you, verse 16. Listening to the watchmen of the preachers who, who sound the trumpet and tell you the way to go, verse 17. And obeying the word of verse 19 that points you to Christ. This is the good way Walk in it, and you will find that rest and satisfaction and covenant blessing that come from him and him alone. And that promised land of rest, that celestial city to which we travel as pilgrims, but also already now in this life, as we confess in Lord's Day 38, where we begin already now that eternal rest, that rest of soul and rest of conscience, that peace that comes from Christ and Christ alone. That's what the prophet Jeremiah is calling God's people to. And yet, if you look to the end of the verse, you see that that's not what they do. But they have the audacity to say to God, we will not walk in that way. Verse 17 They dig in their heels yet more. They double down and say, we will not pay attention to the sound of the trumpet from the preachers, the the watchmen. In verse 19, they pay no attention to God's word, but they, they reject his law. They don't want the ancient path. They don't want the good way. And so God says that he will lay a stumbling block before them against which they will stumble and perish. In the context of the book of Jeremiah, he's, he's talking about the invading Babylonian destruction. He's, he's talking about exile. He's talking about what you read of in the first half of the chapter, making them a desolation. 
making Jerusalem an uninhabited land, pouring out his wrath upon them and stretching out his hand in judgment. All of this, of course, is a little picture and prophetic foreshadowing of the greater judgment that will come against all who reject the rest that is found in Christ alone. That's what Christ says in Matthew chapter 7. Any other way but this narrow way, this ancient path, leads, Jesus says, to destruction. In Matthew chapter 11, he says, It will be worse on the day of judgment for those cities who saw and heard of Christ's glory but rejected it. It will be worse for them than it will be for Sodom and Gomorrah. The same judgment proclaimed here in Jeremiah chapter 6 against those who reject the ancient paths of the good way that is faith in the Messiah. That same judgment is proclaimed in Matthew 7 and Matthew 11 to those who refuse Christ's gracious summons to come to him and find rest. And he gives that same gracious invitation this morning to all who are weary and heavy laden. Every man, woman, and child to come to him and find rest. Rest of heart, rest of conscience, rest of mind, rest from a sense of your sins being forgiven, rest from a solid hope of good things to come in that celestial city. This is what Christ promises. Come to me by faith and repentance, all who are weary and burdened with your sin, the cares of this life, and find rest. Peace, joy, eternal comfort, and good hope. That's what is promised in this good way of the ancient path of faith in Christ. Or the alternative is to stumble over him and perish. And the rest of the chapter gives a picture of that where Jeremiah speaks of there being no mercy for those who reject it, of pain taking hold of them, the pain like a woman in labor. It says they will mourn as one mourns for an only son as the destroyer comes upon them and they will be consumed by fire. The destruction of which the last half of Jeremiah 6 speaks is an intrusion of that final judgment that will consume all who reject the word of God's prophets and reject his gracious summons to come to that ancient path of faith in the Messiah and find rest. God says, Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices, for they have not paid attention to my uh, my word. That's the warning that God gives. So God says, stop and look. Stand by the road and consider which way are you going? Are you taking the broad road that leads to destruction? Are you traveling that good way, that narrow road, the ancient path that leads to life? The same way the faithful have always walked. Do not stand there like the people to whom Jeremiah preached and say, we will not walk in it. Don't say like they do in verse 17, we'll pay no attention to the sound of of the trumpet of the preachers, but hear Christ's warning of judgment and then hear his gracious summons to flee to him for refuge and find rest in the narrow way that God's people have always walked whose end is good. That's very simply what God is calling us to 
from Jeremiah chapter 6, to stop and think, pause and and reflect, consider the the different ways that there are to go and whether the way that you are going is consistent with those ancient paths in which the faithful have always walked. I would suggest to you this is what the Reformers did at the time of, of the Reformation. They stopped, they paused, they, they considered, is this the way that, that the faithful of old, that, that the church fathers, that the apostles walked in? Or young people, I would suggest to you, this is what many of your parents and grandparents did as they, they left a federation that, that they believed was in danger of, of ceasing to walk in those old paths. They paused, they, they stopped, they, they took stock and looked back. So let us walk in the ancient way. The same way that Christ calls us to continue to walk in, even in in 2023, not resting on a decision that we made uh, three decades ago and saying, I I was faithful then, but continuing to walk in that faithful way. There there are so many other paths on which we can go, so many other paths that that, that the world around us is calling us to take, many lies in our anti-Christian age, some of which seep even into the church. We're called to stop and think, called to evaluate, to be thoughtful, to consider whether the way in which we are are, are walking or or the way in which we are tempted to walk is that ancient path, that well-worn, time-tested, tried-and-true path where the Word of God is your guide, faithful preachers are your helpers, and the way in which you walk is the way the faithful have always gone. It's a call to resist innovation and novelty, resist the constant clamoring for something new, to resist compromise, but to walk in those same ancient paths that bring true rest. Don't say we will not walk in it, we will not pay attention to God's word. But as your elders come to visit you and encourage you to walk in the good path in the midst of all the other paths that are, are calling out for you to walk in them, listen to the word of God, listen to his watchmen, stop and think. Look back throughout church history, look back throughout your family history and consider the way that the faithful have gone before you and walk in that way to find rest for your souls. Through Christ our Lord bids you come. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for prophets like Jeremiah, watchmen that you raise up to sound the trumpet, and uh, faithful preachers and elders who continue to call us to walk in the good way that leads to life, eternal life and eternal rest in that celestial city, and true life and true rest even now in this life. But we know there are many other paths calling for our attention especially as we enter increasingly secularized age. Lord, we think of our young people. We think of the lies of the culture around us. We, we think of the ways that even as here in Jeremiah, they were tempted to believe these lies and go after false lovers all the while maintaining their, their ceremonies and their worship practices. What a description this is of the church at so many times and in so many places, forsaking the the heart of the gospel, the the fundamentals of the faith, seeking satisfaction in so many other things, all the while continuing to go through the motions of religious ceremony and, and traditions. 
Lord, would you keep us from this kind of hypocrisy, this kind of syncretism, but help us to walk faithfully in your word in the way that the faithful before us have always walked, to pause and consider the way that we are going and walk in those ancient paths and find that rest for our souls that is promised to those who walk in the way that is Christ, our truth and our life who gives rest to our souls. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Saying number 443, come unto me, ye weary. Uh, Based on those words of Christ in Matthew chapter 11, we'll stand.